Section 127 of Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World Story, Volume 5. Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 127. The Search for Prester John. 1486 by john fisk for more than three hundred years a legend had been in existence about a mysterious prester priest john according to the story some nestorian christians had built up a mighty kingdom somewhere in asia and this prester john was its sovereign his realm was said to contain most marvellous wild beasts and even more marvellous races of men. It was rich in precious stones. The earth swarmed with ants that dug gold, and the water with fish that gave forth a brilliant purple dye. The sovereign's palace was more magnificent than the imagination could picture, and seventy-two great kings paid tribute to its master. Such was the land of Prester John, and small wonder is it that King John of Portugal, nephew of Henry the Navigator, longed to get into communication with such a country of marvels. Moreover, the thoughts of all mercantile nations were turning toward India, but no one knew the shape and size of the mass of land called Africa that hindered their approach to the east, or whether it would be possible to sail round it. What knowledge had been gained of it had come chiefly from the voyage of an enterprising captain, one Diego Cão, who in 1485 had crept cautiously down the African coast, 1,000 miles beyond the mouth of the Congo River. The Editor About the time that Diego Cão was visiting the tribes on the Congo, the Negro king of Benin, a country by the mouth of the Niger, sent an embassy to John II of Portugal, with a request that missionary priests might be sent to Benin. It had been thought that the woolly-haired chieftain was really courting an alliance with the Portuguese, or perhaps he thought their medicine men might have the knack of confounding his foes. The negro envoy told King John that a thousand miles or so east of Benin there was an august sovereign who ruled over many subject peoples, and at whose court there was an order of chivalry whose badger emblem was a brazen cross. Such, at least, was the king's interpretation of the negro's words, and forthwith he jumped to the conclusion that this African potentate must be Prester John, whose name was redolent of all the marvels of the mysterious East the fine Prester John would be a long step toward Golden Cathay and the Isles of Spice. So, the King of Portugal rose to the occasion and attacked the problem on both flanks at once. He sent Pedro de Covilhã by way of Egypt to Aden, and he sent Bartholomew Dias with three fifty-ton caravels to make one more attempt to find an end to the Atlantic coast of Africa. Covilhão's journey was full of interesting experiences. He sailed from Aden to Hindustan, 
and on his return visited Abyssinia, where the semi-Christian king took such a liking to him that he would never let him go. So, Covillon spent the rest of his life, more than thirty years, in Abyssinia, whence he was able now and then to send to Portugal items of information concerning eastern Africa that were afterwards quite serviceable in voyages upon the Indian Ocean. The daring captain, Bartholomew Gias, started in August 1486, and after passing nearly four hundred miles beyond the Tropic of Capricorn, was driven due south, before heavy winds, for thirteen days, without seeing land. At the end of this stress of weather, he turned his prows eastward, expecting soon to reach the coast. But, as he had passed the southernmost point of Africa, and no land appeared before him, after a while he steered northward, and landed near the mouth of Goritz River, more than two hundred miles east of Cape of Good Hope. Thence he pushed on about four hundred miles farther eastward, as far as the Great Fish River, where the coast begins to have a steady trend to the northeast. Gias was now fairly in the Indian Ocean, and could look out with wistful triumph upon that waste of waters. But his worn-out crews refused to go any further, and he was compelled, reluctantly, to turn back. On the way homeward, the ships passed in full sight of the famous headland, which Gias called the Stormy Cape. But, after arriving at Lisbon in December 1487, when the report of this noble voyage was laid before King John the Second, His Majesty said, Nay, let it rather be called the Cape of Good Hope, since there was now much reason to believe that they had found the long-sought ocean route to the Indies. Though this opinion turned out to be correct, it is well for us to remember that the proof was not yet complete. No one could yet say with certainty that the African coast, if followed a few miles east of the Great Fish River, would not again trend southward and run all the way to the Pole. The completed proof was not obtained until Vasco da Gama crossed the Indian Ocean ten years later. This voyage of Bartholomew Gias was longer and in many respects more remarkable than any that it is known to have been made before that time. From Lisbon back to Lisbon, reckoning the sinuosities of the coast, but making no allowance for tacking, the distance run by those tiny crafts was not less than 13,000 miles. End of section 127. This recording is in the public domain.